0: Tonight is an exciting night because we are launching a new midweek series entitled Healthy Relationships. You don't have to raise your hand, but it's February. Married, not married, dating, not dating. It's good to talk about healthy relationships. And I get to tackle the first topic this evening healthy communication. Now, communication is unique because it kind of gets thrown out there and trampled on by some and lifted up and praised by others. It doesn't matter if you're a boyfriend and girlfriend or a husband and wife, a mom-pop business or a Fortune 500 company. If you're having problems and things are going wrong, you can guarantee it's being blamed on lack of communication, broken communication. But on the same hand, if things are going great, the relationships firing on all cylinders, the business is doing good, that at some level, they're attributing that to healthy communication. Communication just gets stretched and drug everywhere. And so I'm excited tonight to be able to talk about it as we go into praying and asking God to help us with this service. I'm asking you to join me in praying for Becky Rogers and for brother and sister Miller. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, for your goodness. We're asking that you would meet us here tonight, God. That you would allow the teaching of your word to settle into our hearts, God, to bring strength and edifying the body, God. Let it be so that we would hear your word and allow it to shape us tonight. We're praying that you would minister to Sister Becky and, God, that you would touch her and help her, Lord. God, we pray that you would bring healing to brother and sister Miller, that you would minister to their bodies. God, you're able. You are able to do it. And we put them in your hands, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So communication. What's the big deal? Why is communication so important? Why do we blame the bad things on communication and and praise it when things are going good? Well, here's the reason. God did not create us to be loners, not to stick to ourselves. He created us to interact with others. And that interaction that we have with one another, that is communication. And so he created us to be communicators. That's who we are created to be. Communication empowers us to express our self-identity the bonds of friendships, develop and maintain intimate relationships, engage in our community and share our ideas and our opinions. It's Because of these dynamics, communication is the foundation of all relationships. Healthy, godly communication will strengthen friendships, enhance our closest relationships and bring us into fellowship with God. But here's the thing about communication. It can either be strengthening relationships or destroying them through our words. Let's look at Proverbs 18. It says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have the ability to use communication, the words That we speak to build somebody up, to encourage them, to to strengthen them, to give them hope. And you know what it's like to to walk into a room and speak to somebody and, and say something nice to them, something uplifting to them, to watch their face and their demeanor as they get a smile because they're appreciative of that type of communication. They like that, or being on the other end of that, having a bad day walking into work, struggling. We never have bad days here, Pastor. Not not my job, but for the rest of you guys where you could have a bad day at work and a co-worker walks in or a boss walks in and they say something like, man, Juan, you're just doing a great job. Thank you for, for picking that up and thank you for getting that done. And it's those few words That can change what I'm feeling, how I'm thinking, and how I go about the rest of my day. The power of giving something positive, some affirmation to somebody using my words. But on the other side of that, because every one of us are human, we know what it's like to speak some words. And the moment they leave our mouth, we're reaching, wishing they would never have been said Because we've also seen the face of that individual when they feel hurt or they feel let down or they feel wounded by the words that we spoke to them. Life and death. Communication, it's so important because there's so much weight carried in it. Now, I promise you, I'm gonna tell you now, I'm gonna have a lot of fun teaching tonight. I've got my notes. I actually thought Pastor Carson wouldn't be here and so I will tame it down a little bit, but, but we're going to have some fun. But the reality of it is, is that it's weighty because of what can be accomplished through communication with us speaking those things. And it gets even weightier when we look at James chapter 3. When you couple what we know from Proverbs with James chapter 3 and verse 8, where he says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Like, how fair is that? To say that you have the power of life and death in your tongue and then to say, by the way, you can't tame it. Good luck. And you feel like it's a lost cause until you realize that while I can't do it, he can When I let God work through my life and I let his spirit give me direction, he can tame the tongue. And for those of you that think you have it tamed, you don't. Not if you're relying on yourself. He used the word tame intentionally because humans can sometimes get it right on their own. Even without the Holy Ghost, they can get it right sometimes, communicating love and life. But they can also get it wrong sometimes, commuting death or destruction. But when you have the Holy Ghost working in your life, that's where you get the power to actually tame it to where most of the time it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. You're saying things that you should be saying. And we'll take a pause here for a moment and just restate this. This is why it's important that we don't allow ourselves to ever think that the power of the Holy Ghost just stopped or is constrained to the salvation experience. It is necessary to receive the baptism of his spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues for the salvation experience, but it goes with us beyond that moment, and it is the very reason why we could do anything and speak any words to somebody that gives them life over and over again. And over again by his spirit, because we can't do it on our own. All communication begins in the heart. Luke 6 says this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. This is a jagged pill to swallow. Because that means that when we say things that aren't uplifting, things that are not encouraging. And when we're commuting, communicating in a way that's not edifying somebody, that's not building them up, then the only place we have to look for the source is our heart if we're speaking things that are edifying and uplifting and we're building up our brothers and we're building up our sisters and we're speaking life to one another, then we know that our heart, it's in the right place because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But the good news is we get a clear, clear indicator that when we're saying things that we're not proud of, whether it's to people Or rather, it's looking in the mirror and we're telling ourselves that we don't amount to much. Telling ourselves, hey, you failed again. Telling ourselves, when are you gonna finally be able to get this right? Or speaking to others, whoever it is, we've gotta recognize in that moment, God's allowing us to have that indicator telling us, check your heart. Get your heart right. And the words will follow. Get your heart right. And your actions will be in alignment with what I'm asking of you. Communication begins in the heart. Psalms 19 says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer. It goes in this order, I believe, because the words of our mouth will be right when the meditation of our heart is right. What are we focusing on? What are we reading? What are we digesting? What are we letting into our heart? What guardrails have we set? What walls have we built to guard our heart? Communication problems, you talk dirty, you talk foul, you tear people down, you gossip, you backbite. Let me tell you, a solution is fix your heart. You can change your words, but that's only on the surface. You've got to change your heart. To communicate in a way that God desires us to communicate, we step all the way back. Not just working with the things that enter our mind, and then come out of our mouths, but way before that where birth is being given to those thoughts and those words, our heart. Here's some principles for godly communication. Here's what we know. You could go on Amazon right now, and you could type in books on effective communication, and there would be not hundreds, but thousands upon thousands of references that you could go to and you could study and you could learn to be an effective communicator. But being a good communicator does not necessarily make one's communication healthy or godly. It doesn't. Here's what Ephesians says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying. Are these words going to build up or are these words going to tear down? That it may minister grace unto the hearers. This includes communication that is unethical, dishonest, immoral, profane, fraudulent. All of these things can be done and you could still effectively be communicating, you just wouldn't be communicating in a godly way. And when we say healthy communication, as apostolics, we're referring to godly communication. What does scripture dictate to us and how we should communicate with one another? But on the other hand, communication that conveys God's righteousness is ethical. It is honest, it is morally pure, and it is truthful. Let's look at Colossians chapter four. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Paul used this unique turn of phrase to describe the kind of speech that's expected of believers. It is to be conveyed with grace. And it is to be seasoned with salt. Now, I don't know about you. And this has never happened in my home. I want to make this known. Never happened in my home with my wife's cooking. We clear? Babe? It's a lie if they say it. And they're going to have to check their hearts. But I have had meals where the moment I cut into it, grab a piece with my fork and put it into my mouth, I know immediately that my next bite will be covered in salt. I'm looking for salt on the table so that I can pour it all over that food so that it can make it palatable. I can deal with the salty steak. I can deal with salty vegetables, but there's some things I just can't deal with. And in order for me to be able to make it palatable, to chew, process, and swallow, and look like I'm enjoying it to the person that prepared it, I need salt. And that's what's being told to us here. Paul is saying, I need you to use salt salt. I need you to season your communication in a way that is palatable for people to receive it. It doesn't matter how good, how profound your communication, your understanding, your knowledge is. If when you go to communicate it, people want to punch you. It's important. If it's important enough to teach, it's important enough to teach it in a way that they'll receive it, that they'll allow it to shape their lives. So so when we're communicating, Scripture is telling us, I know how you might want to say it. I know what you're feeling inside is your heart racing and you're boiling. But take a beat and allow yourself to convey it in a way that they'll hear. And here's a good way to test that. If they said it to you in that way, how would you receive it? Before you raise your voice, before you pound on your desk, before you pull rank, just think, okay, if roles were reversed and I was sitting on the other side of the table, how would I receive the words they're saying to me. And if you wouldn't receive it, do not say it that way. And here's something I've learned. If I can't say it in the way that's needed to be said in that moment, then take time. Don't have the conversation right away. Don't talk to them in the heat of the moment. I have a picture that I asked them to show here. Does anybody, now I'm 43 years old, so I'm going back to the 80s. Does anybody as a kid remember the grape-flavored Tap when you were younger? Like it was the answer to everything. It tasted like the best candy money could buy. I remember, is my mom here? She's not here, is she hiding back there? Hey. This is confession in front of everyone. I remember sometimes pretending like I was sick. If you're around my age, I know you did it too. Some folks were too poor to have a bunch of candy piled up, and so we faked sick and we got to take medication. Everyone knew. When you were a kid and you were in my neighborhood, we all had this at home and we all looked forward to taking it. Not for any desire to get high. We were kids. You know what? Truth be told, I'm not even sure it worked. There was probably no alcohol content in it. It tasted way too good to be effective. And I guess, well, we won't talk about what I guess. Here's what I'm asking you to be. Scripture teaches us that we must speak truth. And we must speak truth in love. But speaking the truth, Ephesians says. In love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speak truth. In love, the truth is the medicine aspect of this. The sugar and the flavoring is what makes it palatable. If we want people to to hear from us, if we want godly communication, it first needs to be true, and that's all truth. That's gospel truth. That's saving truth. That's performance truth. That's all truth. It needs to be true if you're speaking it, and you need to do it out of love. Once again, it's the, the combination of giving them information that they need and that you know they need, but in a way that they will receive it. Spiritual time tap. I don't know how many times I say it before YouTube like starts crediting us and we get financial benefits from it, but that's what we need to be, though. As communicators, We need to be thinking, asking ourselves, is what I'm saying true? Is it absolutely true? Did I hear it from the source? Or did I hear it third party? Let me give you some advice when we're communicating. If it's not from the source, don't quote it like it is. Doesn't matter how close of a friend told you a spouse told you, a parent told you, everybody hears things through the filter of who they are. We can very innocently receive something in a way and hear something in a way that the person speaking did not intend for it to be. And then by the time it makes it through our filter, our personality, and is shared with somebody else who knows how close to the truth it is. So it must be true, and we need to be for certain that it's true, and that it needs to come from a sincere place of love. Proverbs 15 says this, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I'll quote Pastor Carson on something he told me. I'm a, I'm a pretty passionate person. I'm pretty passionate. Here's the problem. When you couple somebody that's really passionate with a lack of ability, like, like I've played basketball, passionately and terribly. <laughs> For however you can, I've found a way to play cornhole passionately and terribly. And so I just have grown up as somebody with not a lot of gifts and talents and the things that I'm passionate about. And so I can allow myself to be so passionate in moments. And Pastor Carson, I don't know if he witnessed something and felt like I need to tell him this or if he was just giving me pastoral like guidance, like, hey, just in case. You need this information. But he said, don't let your sound words be drowned out by your emotion. There are times when you're going to have the right word to say, and God is needing you to speak that word to somebody. But you're all fired up and your emotions are all going crazy. And and the way you deliver that in that moment completely drowns out the quality of what you were trying to give them. And and I know that's hard to think about if you're like me and you're passionate because you think, no, if if saying it is good and helpful, then yelling it is going to be way better. And way more effective. But it's not the case. It's not the case. Sometimes we have to be conscious of the fact that if we can calm ourselves down. If we can pull back. You know, in moments when we get heated, we, our heart starts to race and, and things are going. Our minds don't think clearly. When we're, when we're upset or, or whatever the reason is, somebody said something about our kid or, or we thought they said something about our kid because so-and-so heard it from so-and-so, which heard it from so-and-so, which saw it drawn on a note four days earlier. Whatever the reason is, we can get stirred up emotionally and that starts to cloud our thinking. That's not the way in the moments you want to try to communicate. But here's what you learn. If you can start to take a deep breath and start to lower your heart rate, your body starts to respond to that. And you can take yourself, even if you're passionate and you're used to being, you know, just all in it, but you can bring that down. And then you can say it in a way, calmly where those words that God gave you can be heard and they can be received and somebody's life can be impacted by that. Don't let your sound words be drowned out by your emotion. That soft answer is the salt. It is the sugar. It's what we're doing to make it palatable. And sometimes I can think, I just know this is right. Like they just got to hear this. They come in the room or I'm talking to somebody and I, and I think to myself, like they just need to know this and I, I need to tell them and, and I know they're not going to receive it well, so I just got to hit them like a truck. It's a smart thing to do, right? They're not going to receive it well come 100 miles an hour then. It's just going to make it better. What's the goal? Is the goal that they receive it? Or is the goal that you speak what you know to be right? If it's you speaking what's right and that's all that matters to you, you can accomplish that. 100 miles an hour, screaming at the top of your lungs, swinging from the chandelier, however you want. You can do that. But if we back up and we realize that everything needs to be rooted in love, and your care for that person that you're communicating to, then it's not about being right. It's about making sure that they'll receive it, helping them get to a place where they can receive it. Let's look at Romans 12. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Like, this is tough, right? Can we be honest? Like, bless them that persecute you, that are out to get you, that are setting their eyes on you to do you harm. Bless them. Well, I was glad to find out that when it's saying bless them, it doesn't mean like, Lord, they're really messing up my life. Make them rich. They're really doing me harm, God. Give them a brand new house. When he says bless them, He's saying, bless them in the way that blessing can be generally applied and benefit everybody. Bless them in praying that God's will would be done for their life. Because here's what God is telling us in his word. They're persecuting you, but it doesn't compare to how they persecuted me. No matter what they're saying about us, no matter what they're doing to us, it does not measure up to what we did to him. And he still desired to go to the cross and to die in our place. Not so that we would be saved, but so that we might be saved. We still had to say so in it. Not everybody's gonna go for it. Not everybody's gonna follow Christ. Not everybody's gonna live for him. Everyone put him on the cross. And he said, look, even though they're persecuting me, I bless them. I want my will for their life. I want them to be set free. I want them to know me. I want them in eternity with me. And so for us, when we're communicating, we need to know our role. When people are against us, our communication back is God. I don't know what's troubling them or why they're acting the way they're acting or doing the things that they're doing. But I pray, God, get a hold of their heart. I pray, God, that you would transform them. That's the kind of prayers that God is asking us to pray for those that persecute us. He goes on to say in verse 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Here's something that's devastating for me to even admit. It seems to be far easier to weep with those when they weep, than to rejoice with those when they rejoice. When somebody's hurt and they're down and out, it seems like our compassion is drawn to that. We can be there for them, to cry with them, to weep with them. We're sorry for your loss. We're sorry that you found out about the sickness. We're sorry about your child. We're sorry about whatever it may be. But I got a call the other day and I was talking to a pastor and he was telling me about these great things that have been happening at their church and and I was like so excited for him. I'm like, bro, I can't believe God's doing those things. It's so incredible. I'm so thankful for what he's doing at your church and and how he's blessing so-and-so and doing this and there was quiet on the other end. Like emotionally, quiet, like teary, and he said, you don't know how good it makes me feel to know that there's someone I can call and talk about what God's doing great here and them not get jealous, them not try to pick it apart, them not try to judge it. They just simply rejoice when I'm rejoicing. but that's God's mandate to us that we ought to rejoice with those that rejoice. People should not avoid calling you when they've got good news to share. If you haven't heard, if you haven't heard good news from somebody in a while, just take a moment and ask yourself, Do I make it hard for them to share good news with me? Allow ourselves, look, this is not to call anybody out. Maybe I got lucky. Maybe it was the one phone call where I was just excited with the guy. But all I know is I was blown away to hear that out of all the people they know, they felt like they had to call me for someone to be excited with them. You ought to be able to pick up the phone and call anybody in your phone, any friends you have, and say, I got great news. God's doing great things. I got great news. I got a promotion. I got great news. I got a new car. You're not going to believe the deal I got on a suit. You're not going to believe the gift I got for my wife. They ought to be able to say those things to us and us get excited with them. God, help us in our communication from one to another to not just be there to weep when they weep, but to rejoice when they rejoice. There is another side of communication. Proverbs 18 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it is folly and shame unto them. Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Why are we listening? If we're listening to give an answer or a reply, we're missing it. We should be listening to understand. That's our goal in communication when somebody else is talking to us is to be a good listener and listen so that we can understand what it is they're trying to convey for us. I know it's hard, and and men, this is us mostly because they'll get three or four sentences in and we've already figured out an answer to the problem. In fact, this is a good time. Can we play that video? It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. on if you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on It may not be a literal now, but you've had those conversations. And I get it. It's funny, but the reality is that sometimes we go into the conversation just wanting to fix it. When the person speaking to us doesn't want us to fix it, they just want us to listen. And as hard as that is for us sometimes, we just need to be okay with it. We need to accept it because it's not what we're trying to accomplish in that moment as we're communicating back and forth. It's what they're trying to accomplish. For them, they didn't come to us for an answer, although I wish they would because we got one, right? Let me grab a hammer. We'll fix this now. But their expectation is if I can just get someone to listen. And in those moments, If we can just be a listener, then we've met their expectation. Here's what I've learned. If we'll be good listeners when they want us to listen, when they get ready to ask for help, they'll come back to us. And in the end, we'll be able to fix it. So we get what we want, too. We just have to be patient in knowing that it's not just about what we want. It's in trying to help them accomplish what they want also. Here's the last one. I save this for the very end. Communicating through conflict. Who likes conflict? Let me Raise your hands. Oh, there's some of you that are like really wanting to, but you, you feel like we're going to judge you. There's some of you that I know should have raised it. Communicating through conflict. Why did I save this to the end? I saved it to the end because when conflict comes your way and you're trying to work through it, here's what you need to know. You can't avoid it. Conflict's going to find a way to find you in some area of your life. No matter how hard you try to avoid it, it will find you. And so you have to deal with it. But the beauty about communicating through conflict is it's no different than everything else we just worked through. You just have to calm yourself down enough to allow your brain to logically that you can walk through all the steps we just walked through for healthy communication. It's not that it needs to be any different. You need to be a good listener, yes, you need to, to be able to, to speak in truth and love. Yes, you need to make it palatable. Yes, all of those things need to happen still, when you're working through conflict. The difference is it's a lot more sensitive. And so you have to be careful. We talked about your heart racing earlier. If it's going to race, it's in a moment where you're like, your heads are budding. You're 100 percent right. They're 100 percent right. That math doesn't work. And you have to be able to calm I was just in Orlando airport. If you're from Florida, my Can you do better? Please. It's one of the largest airports in the country and it's run like it's got a budget of $4. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Here's the deal. I get there, you self check in online to save money and you have to pay double if you actually go to the counter. Now, part of that's because I flew with the cheap airline, but we'll leave that for another time. You get to the machine, none of the machines are working. The scanners doesn't work. It tells you that once you get this scanning process, ticket for your luggage, you wrap it, and then you go in line to drop it off at the counter. And there's like 900 people in line to get to this drop off and it's not working, and I'm starting to panic. I don't typically panic easy, but I want to get home. I've been gone four days. I don't want to miss my flight. Everything I know about flying says I'm going to miss my flight, and my heart starts racing, and I look to the lady next to me, and it works for her, and she's like, all you have to do is type in your confirmation number, and I'm like, great. She's got an app. I got an app. She walks off. I realize my app doesn't look anything like her app. Nowhere on anything that I have does it say confirmation number. All this goes through. Finally, after standing there fighting with it, I got to go find somebody that barely speaks English. Whew. Like we were having trouble communicating. And then they helped me understand that the booking number on my app was the same as the confirmation number. So once I went over, I typed that in, got that done, got in line. I had plenty of time to think about this in line. I realized that while the names were completely different, they were both six digits. Confirmation number, booking number, they both kind of make sense. But in that moment when my heart was racing, I thought I was going to miss my I was not thinking clearly. It was terrible. And I wasn't acting rationally. And there were witnesses there. But that's how it happens when we're dealing with conflict. We're we're, we're not acting rationally. We're not thinking rationally. So we have to get that into control. And we have to be able to deal with it in a way that can back up to steps one through four. When you get to number five, it ought to just say, start back at one. And walk your way through those processes. Stand with me. I'll close with Acts chapter 15. There was a conflict that arose because some of the brethren that came down from Judea said that on top of the new birth experience, repenting and being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Gentile believers would still need to be circumcised after the manner Of Moses to be saved. Well, Paul and Barnabas were there and they were like, not happening. Like that's not right, and they strongly disputed it. Could you imagine that? All that God was doing, and you've got people saying, No, 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 no. The Gentile folks, they don't, they they still have to be circumcised to be saved. Paul and Barnabas are saying, look, we're not talking about how to get a cheaper flight. We're talking about salvation. You don't mess this thing up. They don't have to be circumcised. They're going to experience salvation the same way we do as Jews. And so they got into this argument. This dispute takes place. And then it's decided that Paul and Barnabas and some others need to go to Jerusalem. And they need to ask the question to the apostles and to the elders. And so they got there and they, they all gathered together, the apostles and the elders, to hear out this conflict. It's a pretty big deal. How are they supposed to be saved? And what did they do? They grabbed trustworthy witnesses and got testimony from Paul, from Barnabas, and from Peter. They reviewed and listened to what Peter was told by the Lord about him being the one to go and reach the Gentiles and how it was confirmed by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And they received it just like they did. And then they looked back in Scripture at prophecy to see what did the word of the Lord say about these things were they to come. And Then there was great unity that formed. At this conference, it resulted in areas that everyone could agree on. What did they do? Did they just tell everybody the good news that the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised? No, because that would have left even confusion for they, when they traveled. Word of mouth would have got a hold of that thing. So what did they do? They came up with the guidelines. They put it together. They wrote it all out, and then they sent it and distributed throughout all of the regions. So that everybody would know this fight's not still going on. We butted heads. But then like godly people, we communicated and worked through the conflict. And we reached a resolution about how the Gentiles are to be saved. And we want everyone to know it. And so they sent it out. And what could have divided and destroyed the unity of the early believers became an opportunity for reconciliation and cohesion among the followers of Christ because the church and their willingness to address the issue and reach resolution through communication. The impact that can be made is astronomical and it's astronomically good or astronomically bad. But God shows us how he prefers for us to communicate. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for giving us the ability to work one with another, to communicate, God, in a way that is healthy and that honors you. God, that we can speak words that will give a life, that will edify and build up that can take somebody that's feeling hopeless and give them hope, that can take somebody, God, that feels left out and and bring them in. God, we thank you for the ability to communicate with not just our brothers and our sisters in Christ in a way that is godly and honoring to you, but for being able to effectively communicate at our jobs and with coworkers, with strangers that we meet at gas stations and coffee shops. God, we ask you that as we go our separate ways, That you would allow your words to settle in our heart. And that our next encounter with somebody, our next communication would be a godly one and a healthy one, edifying that person and honoring you in Jesus' name.